0: Good evening, everyone. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the Academy of Ideas uh, Education Forum. Uh, My name is Toby Marshall, uh, and I'm an A-level film studies teacher, and I work within the state sector, and uh, I'll be your chair uh, tonight. The issue we have assembled to discuss is the future of the Office for Standards um, in Education, or Ofsted, Um, And I won't say a great deal by way of introduction, as we have four great speakers with us tonight uh, to prompt us to think and uh, discuss this issue. But what I will say is that there's a strong and I believe a growing perception uh, that the inspectorate is currently focusing far too much on contentious moral and political themes and not enough on matters related to knowledge and um, education. Naturally, as a state school teacher uh, or state sector teacher, I have my own views on this matter. Um, But I will expect that today, in the interest of balance, I'll be playing the role of devil's advocate or maybe the inspector's advocate in our discussion. Um, So our panellists, which will speak in the order in which I'm about to introduce them, uh, are going to introduce for between five and seven minutes. Um, But then my intention is to go out straight to discussion from the audience and comments. So just be thinking about um, your points and uh, questions as our panellists are um, speaking. And I I strongly believe that education belongs to everyone. Um, It's everybody's education and everyone's got a right to speak on it. It's not the property of one particular group in society or one particular ideology. It belongs to us all. So we want to get a range of views on this. Um after about two or three rounds of discussions, I'll I'll ask our speakers to come back and to conclude um in reversed order. So speaking first, we have uh Neil Davenport. Uh Neil is a writer uh and a teacher. And um it was Neil's comments on Facebook that first inspired uh this session. I thought he was saying some very interesting things uh, uh on Facebook about Ofsted, and I thought it was important that we Hammer uh, some of these issues out um, uh, following those comments. Then we're going to have Joseph Robertson. Um, and uh, Joseph is the director of the Orthodox Conservatives think tank and an education research fellow at the Bow Group. Um, following this, we're going to have Rowena Davis. Uh, Rowena is a teacher, a former journalist, uh, and Labour Party parliamentary candidate and a new mum. Congratulations Rowena, well done. Um, And then finally we're going to have Alex Kenny um, and Alex is a secondary school teacher and um, an NEU executive um, member. So I'm I'm really pleased that everyone's agreed to speak. I think we've got a good range of perspectives there on the panel. Um, Just before we start I just want to remind everyone um, that we are recording tonight. Um, for the benefit of people who who, who can't uh, make uh, this time. And um, as has been pointed out by Alex, we're competing with Boris Johnson at this very moment. He's doing a, a press conference, but who needs him? Um, Neil, would you like to kick us off?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Um, OK, so on the Academy of Ideas website, there is mention that we're approaching the 30th anniversary of the creation of, of Dead, no obviously standards inspectors within state education has, has existed for a long long time it's not not necessarily a new thing but i think the 30th anniversary of, of Dead in terms of its approach is, is actually quite a, a significant uh, a significant moment because i think this was the beginning of uh, perhaps the reorganization of state institutions and wider society. I think, in particular, the demise of Labourism, the demise of the Labour Party as a mediating bridge um, between elite interests and the working classes, was, was pretty much over by 1992 sort of uh, and 1993. And I think state education has increasingly been relied upon as a mediator of elite ideas um, at any given at any given time, really. Um, and I think for that reason, austin has always been political, even, even though you know its um, approach has been on monitoring teaching and learning, um, but even, even on things like inspecting the quality of, of teaching and learning can be political. So I'll give an example. In the 2000s, a lot of Ofsted frameworks <clears throat> was based on an instrumental approach to learning um, and the devaluing of academic content which in itself was political regarding the shift towards presentism of new labour, um, even if that wasn't always readily apparent. But I think the difference in very year, recent years, the explicit and non-subtle moral directives that Ofsted are enforcing on state schools, I think it reflects the broader cranking up and the intensification of identity politics as a way of creating new moral purposes uh, for wider, sedate institutions and perhaps with the purpose of disciplining the mass of society as a whole. Um, and a lot of the comments on what I want to raise uh, this evening uh, is similar to some of the discussions we were having on the new elites meeting back in November. And I think consequently, the inspection of teaching and learning is increasingly becoming second place towards judging whether state schools um, a compliance with a whole range of moral instructions that have actually come from the civil service. Um, and I think in particular, it is this area where there's a massive gulf between an ostensibly anti-woke government with a deeply woke state um, uh, enforcing many of these issues. I mean, it's just to give you a couple of examples, I think once state schools were out of lockdown, um, after their guidelines, we're pretty much more concerned about issues related to combating homophobia and transphobia, um, as well as sort of MeToo-related issues on sexual harassment, um, and that was seen as more pressing than the quality of teaching and learning. And to give you an example, a school in Colchester, which despite having excellent teaching and learning and excellent results, was put into special measures um, due to these broader kind of moral questions uh, rather than um, based on exam results. I think some of these responses, particularly on combating homophobia, have roots in the Trojan horse scandal back in 2014. I think there was a panic uh, that religious extremism was taking grip in Muslim majority schools. Um, Whilst this also tipped into looking at Jewish schools, particularly, I think, the quasi homeschooling that you get in Hasidic communities and as well as some Catholic schools as well. Um, I think these responses are often justified by the 2010 Equality Act and juggling sort of various protected characteristics. Nevertheless, I think social conservatism of Islam didn't exactly fall into that. And I think this is why Osted started insisting on the teaching of British values in state schools, campaigns against uh, FGM and looking out for signs of extremism. But having said that, I would express a little bit of caution as to whether it's all sort of just aimed at the Muslim community, Um, because I think some of the materials on combating uh, extremism recommended by Ofsted actually refuse to mention Islamic terrorism by name, which perhaps indicates how the overriding mission to combat Islamic extremism is not really top of the agenda here. I think what's not mentioned, though, is that after Brexit, some educationalists were pondering whether expressions of support for leaving the European Union could be classified as a form of political extremism um, and therefore sort of policed in secondary schools. A questionnaire that was sent around by universities on teaching content in six forms uh, slipped in Brexit as a dangerous ideology um, I think subsequently this has been dropped explicitly because I think it's quite a hard hard thing to make stick. Um, but nevertheless, I think the cranking up of woke values within uh, within state education has become a galvanising mechanism against what they think Brexit represents. And it's a point that Claire Fox made uh, very well actually in the November conference. Um, finally, I think the other issue with officers dead is the casual word of safeguarding. Which I think anyone who works in secondary schools will sort of come over time and time again. Now, obviously, protectors are wrong with protecting children. The um, education sector has always ensured that um, uh, children are sort of protected and they kind of look out for any harm. But I think what is becoming happening with this, this uh, word of safeguarding is that it's become pretty much a blank check right, anything that the state believes poses risk or harm to children which often translates to snooping on a child's home life. And again, um, OSTEP can downgrade secondary schools if they feel they're not encouraging children to report well-being and safety issues to teachers. And I think in this respect, the SNP's named Persons Act, which is the idea that education and other state sectors become a state guardian for all children, is steadily being introduced through the back door by way of threatening schools with special measures grading if they actually sort of don't don't comply with this demand that children should be encouraged to report on um, anything that goes on at home. Um, Okay, so I just want to sort of summarise what I've said, and there's plenty more we can discuss during the course of the evening, but I think OSTED has always been political, um, ensuring that the ideological needs of the ruling elite can be transmitted into state schools at any given time. And I think it was created once earlier mediators of elite rule collapsed in the post-Cold War era. But I think the key difference today is that key institution that is enforcing new elite authoritarianism with a more explicit moral agenda than previously. Thank you. Excellent.
0: Thank you very much, Neil. There's uh, lots for us to think about there. Um, Joseph.
2: Yes, thanks, Toby. Um, So the question that I really want to propose is, is the way Ofsted operates today really a natural part of our democracy? Um, And is education still part of our democratic process? Um, A phrase I like to use now, considering the circumstances we're in is, are we actually in a pandemic of critical thought? And uh, is that something that we really need to consider going forward? Uh, Someone recently said to me that there's no new cultural movements, only political ones, I think that's very much a danger in our educational system. And of course, uh, as Neil was saying, you know, Ofsted grew uh, from from a long history of educational watchdogs, uh, grew into the late 90s from really being concerned with sort of school inspections to discerning criteria for adoption, higher education, gaining power of entry in schools. uh, and, And these powers included surveillance and more. So it's quite a comprehensive list of powers that it has. And when a non-ministerial body uh, and and a fairly independently operating body looking at every area of young people's services grows to gain such control and such power, absolute impartiality must be the bare minimum expected from parents. Um, And the question as to why an independent organisation has such power is desperately in need of answering um, at a political level as well as a detailed independent review of how it operates in practice, which I think is something uh, that simply hasn't been forthcoming. Um, It's funded, of course, by the taxpayer, but with a limited layer of accountability. And perhaps the question tonight, aside from its politicisation of a certain worldview and a certain moral output, should be a question mark on its lack of critical input from elected politicians in Parliament. It sends an annual report to the Education Select Committee, uh, but this is often met with little scrutiny, questions fired back are often brief or top-line and there's very little endeavour to publicly criticise the organisation other than occasionally from media pieces. Uh, So such a review process in my opinion doesn't work because MPs simply don't have time to dive deep into the ethos surrounding Ofsted. Um, But what could matter more than the education of the children of this country and the standards of freedom and safety uh, that should be upheld in every learning environment, regardless of belief or background. So I wanted to quickly quote from Policy Exchange 2020 report on the Watchman Revisited, uh, which took an over overview look at the way that Ofsted operates. It's quite brief, and it says, Faith schools play an important role in meeting the basic rights expressed under Article 2 of the Protocol to the European Convention on Human Rights, enshrined in UK law via the Human Rights Act, which states... No person shall be denied the right to education in the exercise of any functions which it assumes in relation to education and to teaching. The state shall respect the right of parents to ensure such education and teaching in conformity with their own religious and philosophical convictions. However, Amanda Spielman, Her Majesty's Chief Inspector of Education and Children's Services and Skills, currently re-elected to serve a second term in charge of Ofsted, stated at an address to Stonewall, we want Ofsted to have a muscular liberalism. And this seems to be a paradox. It seems to be at odds with the ability to ensure that parents can teach their children a particular religious and philosophical conviction. So fundamentally, we have to assume that Spielman believes that the nature of the state has changed, that schools should teach what the state, or rather Ofsted in this case, want and not necessarily what parents want. And again, to reaffirm this, uh, assertion of Ofsted's new and self-promoted mission, Spielman stated, Through our inspections of education and social care, Ofsted is also the main checking mechanism for the Equality Act, itself now nearly a decade old, which is part of the valuable framework of law and policy that provides for all children to be educated for life in modern Britain. Well, this sets Ofsted on quite a different trajectory and therefore makes it not merely an educational authority, but also a self-appointed moral and apparently judicial authority. And therefore we have to look at where Ofsted aligns its internal views as this no doubt will influence the next generation of children's minds in a way that cannot be altered. And despite breaking membership links with the disgraced organisation in the last year or two, uh, Ofsted's inspectors have been trained by Stonewall, participated in their conferences, and as the Telegraph reported as late as June last year, Stonewall lobbying, uh, raising concerns uh, with Ofsted still continue frequently. So this is another concern that we have to address um alongside this it's apparent that ofsted is pursuing a secularist agenda which believes that educational methods have to be in accordance with a particular educational philosophy so again this would seem to not be quite in line with the self-same equalities act that they purport to promote for schools being failed by ofsted means that they will have funding cut and effectively be taken over and therefore is any wonder that in deference to such authority schools must allow themselves to promote the ideologies which Ofsted aligns with. And I believe that this culture of fear has led to multiple teachers saying their day to day stress is increased. They now have an inability to teach children as they see fit. And I guess the question for us as the public must be, is this now a healthy environment for pupils and for teachers? And is it conducive to bringing forward teachers with new ideas, enthusiasm, and interests uh, in the welfare? of children or simply teachers who want to tick boxes. Um, and I think we're in danger of creating an educational body of automatons who are simply following state legislation rather than pursuing critical thought. Uh, and another question I want to raise, is the focus really on performance or is this new wave of offset power simply an attempt to realign culture, religion, and social conditioning as best as it sees fit, molding the minds and worldview of the next generations with no concern for family or cultural choices? One example of this is in Jewish faith schools, where despite meeting grade standards, there's been several uh, failures or downgradings uh, based on them not meeting the needs uh, in Ofsted's eyes of the Equality Act. Uh, Ofsted school reports very often at the end of briefs, taking an inordinate amount of time to talk about the Equalities Act in comparison to their, ex- uh, their inspection of educational standards, which of course is their primary role. So this is another concern. Are they actually looking at performance or are they looking at ideology? And therefore, we have to ask, can a body be truly impartial in such such circumstances? Um, And according to one court case already, I believe the answer is no. Um, After being failed, al hejira Muslim School went to court with the appeal that Ofsted had visited the school already, determining that they would fail them. And when this went to oral case review, the allegation was dropped, but not before the judge had agreed that he thought there was an element of impartiality. One other area, obviously, which I'm sure we'll touch on is to do with early age teaching of uh, sexuality and uh, relationships. And with the pursuance of an Ofsted ideology that seemingly wants to promote early age concerns regarding sexuality, it's perhaps worth considering the Secretary of State's forward to the government's relationship education, relationships and sex education and health education guidance, in which it was propounded that Sex education must be sought sensitively and inclusively with respect to the backgrounds and beliefs of pupils. So once again, we must ask: is the politicization of Ofsted's agenda truly run by the politicians? Or is it in is it is its independence and lack of accountability a backdoor for a more sinister and uncontrollable ideology? Uh, in a similar vein, Ofsted also likes to flex its muscle in teaching practices. And we can particularly see this in the teaching phonics, uh, where following a statement from the minister. Uh, for education Michael Gove suggesting preference for, for a particular framework of learning Ofsted proceeded to incorporate that mandate into their framework of inspection so I guess the final question is can we democratize Ofsted does it need to be completely overhauled um, or can an independent uh, body truly sort of uh, root out the weeds from this organization can it change its tack now or are we too late in the day to save it, and my answer to that would probably be no.
0: Excellent, thank you very much, Joseph. Uh, Rowena.
3: Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Rowena, not Rowena, chair. Rowena, uh, it's a thing. Sorry. Apologies. Um, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry. It happens my whole life. Um, I. It's really interesting listening to the previous two speakers because I've got a slightly different experience and a slightly different take on what's happening. Um, a lot of what I'm going to say tonight is based on that personal experience as a teacher, which I think is useful, but obviously has its limits in that it doesn't it doesn't speak for everyone's experience in schools. I have taught for half a decade. Um, I've taught in a state secondary school in a challenging part of Southampton, and also here where I live in Croydon, um, and I joined teaching slightly later in my career and joined it with a lot of idealism and energy and i absolutely loved the kids and did a lot of debating um as we know about with the institute of ideas but i found the system was too rigid and narrowing um which is i think some of the concerns we've been talking about tonight but less because of ofsted but more because of an obsessive focus on exams and a real lack of resources and i really think that that was the root of the the problems that i was facing as a teacher and meant that when i had my little girl a year ago i i stopped um i felt like it wasn't compatible uh, to be a mum and to be a, a state school teacher and actually i didn't recognize the things that perhaps Neil was talking about at the beginning about during lockdown when i was teaching still an obsessive focus on transphobia or homophobia in fact we did nothing on that um, and when the me too movement came about If anything, I felt like it was a bit of a a wake-up call because I'd never taught any sex education in my five years of teaching and it was never there for children. And I felt that that was really letting them down and quite a failure. So I kind of welcomed that debate opening up in classrooms. Similarly, in terms of safeguarding, I never felt that that was like an intrusion into children's lives or family lives at all. Far from it. We never had the resources to follow up really serious concerns that should have actually been followed up earlier. And um, so it's a slightly different perspective there. And when it came to Ofsted in particular, I found that it was a kind of a distant spectra. It was less too political and more just something stressful for teachers, this thing that might descend on them at any time and pass judgment without really any rootedness or connection or understanding to the challenges that we were facing all the time. And it was that disconnection or lack of understanding from Ofsted that I think we feared mostly as a staff. Um, But on reflection, you know, and I I went away and sort of thought about this a little bit more in relation to this topic and Ofsted more broadly and did a bit of research and thinking. And there were kind of two points I wanted to make about Ofsted in general. And the first is that I think that the way we evaluate schools at the moment is too narrow. And that's certainly true. Uh, But one of the, in the opening of this, series it said perhaps we should just rely on data instead to judge schools but I think that would result in a massive over focus on exam results and that creates really malign incentives right if you just look at exam results you can start getting offloading you can get kids excluded for poor reasons you can really narrow the curriculum um, and so I think it's incumbent on us and I think this is what some of the speakers were saying to perhaps try and reform Ofsted if we think that there's an issue with it or reclaim it or make it more democratic but certainly not to get rid of it Um, because the alternative I feel would be to slip into a position where we overly focus on exams and we know that there are you know year six kids that are only ever taught English and maths for an entire year because that's what's on their exam curriculum and anything else is is blotted out Um, and actually at the moment Ofsted is kind of starting to push schools to focus a little bit more on what is being taught and how it's being taught and trying to make it a bit broader to combat that kind of obsessive exam focus, which I think is welcome. Um, And you know, if I had my way on it, I think the way we'd evaluate schools would be even broader again, and that we'd also look a lot more at student voice and at parental voice and what happens to kids after they've left your your school. But to just get rid of Ofsted or just write it off, I think, is to deny some of the important balancing acts it has against an obsessive focus on exams. The second point I really wanted to make um, about Ofsted is that, and this may be controversial, but in some ways, I don't think it's political enough as an institution. Uh, Let me explain what I mean. Um, It is quite common for, for Ofsted to descend on a school and say, for example, that they have a too narrow curriculum without taking into account the fact that it may be impossible to afford to broaden that curriculum for that particular school. I know that's happened in certain areas. My school couldn't afford to teach domestic science, uh, despite a load of kids wanting it and asking for it, uh, even an extracurricular way, because there just wasn't the resources there. And yet Ofsted can kind of descend on you from these parachuting heights and tell you that uh, you really should be doing better, and that you're failing because you're not you're not doing those things. Um, and actually, I think that Ofsted should be more aware and more honest about the context that our schools are facing, the challenges they're facing socially and economically, um, in order to pass fair judgment. And I don't want to be naive about that. I understand that Ofsted can't be a campaigning body, but if you look at comparative bodies like the Prisons Inspectorate, particularly under Anne Alls, for example. There was a very clear, honest assessment of the needs of the prison system that were put forward there, as well as an assessment of the individual prisons. And I think that that was actually more helpful. Um, So those I'm really interested in other people's responses to that, but they would be my two positions that offset at the moment does play some good role in stopping an obsessive focus and a sole focus on exams. And that secondly, Ofstead should be in a way more politically aware or more politically honest about the genuine pressures that are facing the schools, the teachers and our kids.
0: Thank you very much, Alex.
4: Yep. Um, thank you. Am I unmuted? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for the invitation to speak tonight. And I welcome the contributions uh, from the other panelists. Uh, I've agreed with some of what they've said and disagreed uh, w- with other parts of it, which is is great, really healthy for this debate. As others have said, it's a good time to be talking about the role Ofsted plays and the impact that it has. But we should remember and we shouldn't be surprised if it's overreached or we shouldn't be surprised if if it's becoming uh, the tool by which orthodoxies are imposed on schools, because that is what it was set up to do in 1992, to impose an orthodoxy and a one size fits all model of education on, on our schools. And I want to start by stating for the avoidance of doubt uh, that the NEU is in favour of scrutiny, challenge and accountability in the education system. They're not things education professionals are scared of. In fact, teachers like nothing better than showing off what they're doing. They're all too aware of what they need to improve on and always ready to ask for help or seek advice. So we support an inspection system that is collaborative, fair and proportionate and linked to professional development. Such systems exist elsewhere, but the simple truth is that we're a long way from that in this country, and this debate is is so welcome and important. In 2017, the National Audit Office concluded, Ofsted does not know whether its school inspections are having the intended impact to raise the standards of education and improve the quality of children's and young people's lives. Just let that sit there for a minute. The Office for Standards in Education doesn't know whether it's having an impact. So any discussion about Ofsted and accountability in the education system has to take place in the context of a wider discussion about what role education plays in the 21st century and what outcomes we want from our system. But we also have to place this discussion in the context of a huge crisis in teacher recruitment and retention, Prior to the pandemic, the government missed its targets for eight successive years, recruiting enough teachers to make up for the the numbers that are leaving the profession. And we know that 40% of new teachers leave within five years of their training, which, if nothing else, is a shocking waste of money. And the reason given for so many teachers leaving the profession early is workload, and particularly the kind of work over which they've no professional control and sees them constantly having to prove themselves prove that they're doing something rather than getting on and doing it and and developing it even further and i think ofsted is one of the reasons for that it's a problem that ofsted and the government acknowledge they acknowledge that workload and well-being are real problems in schools but they don't have the wit to see that they're the cause of it and in a bizarre twist ofsted are now suggesting that they'll look at what steps schools are taking to reduce workload and improve staff well-being, which is rather like asking the fox to investigate why the chickens are getting restless. So we've had Ofsted for 30 years, and in that time, I would argue that it has had a corrosive effect on teacher professionalism and the relationships within schools and between schools and local authorities. You mention Ofsted to any group of teachers, and you can settle down for hours listening to how alienating the experience is, how schools game the system. Let's not go into details, but we've all seen it. And in many cases, how many more they've left before they leave, rather like footballers or athletes see their careers in terms of World Cups or Olympic Games. Ofsted has become part of a fear index in schools, where getting through an inspection or being Ofsted ready has become almost the core purpose of what we do. Decision making guided because Ofsted is imminent rather than because it's good for children and improves the outcomes. Furthermore, I'd argue that Ofsted has helped perpetuate a system where our schools have become exam factories, our children turned into chunks of colour-coded data, and where poverty and social class are still the major determinants of educational outcomes. For all the raising of standards in the last 30 years, the gap between the highest attaining and the lowest attaining is pretty much the same as it was at the start of the big education reforms. Fear of failure has led many schools to play it safe with the curriculum offer reducing creative and artistic subjects in favour of an increased emphasis on what can be measured. It doesn't have to be this way. The fact that education professionals talk about being Ofsteded in the passive sense is just wrong. Education professionals should not be afraid of inspection and scrutiny, but under the current system, the stakes are too high. Is Ofsted too political? Well, I'd argue that there are numerous times over the years where Ofsted has overstepped its remit as the Office for Standards in Education, and I think it's worse under its current chief. In 2017, Amanda Spielman used a speech to offer her opinions on whether Muslim girls should wear hijabs to schools. She said Ofsted inspectors would speak to young girls wearing the hijab to ask why they're doing it, and that where primary school children are expected to wear the hijab it could be interpreted as a sexualization of young girls. And she linked this issue to the ongoing discussion about British values. Now, she's entitled to her opinions on this subject. It's one in which opinions are strongly felt and divided. But as the chief boy of the body responsible for standards in education, she offered no evidence that any form of clothing impacts on educational standards. Nor did she attempt to engage in a discussion with those people like myself who work in areas with high numbers of Muslim students about the impact this statement might have. And she was completely tin-eared as to the effect it might have on the subjects of her statement. At that time, I called it the equivalent of shouting at the Muslim population from across the street. Either Amanda Spielman did not know what impact such a statement might have, or she did not care. And I don't know which is worse. On the flip side of this, I'd argue that Austed limitation's limitations have been exposed during the pandemic and the various stages of lockdown. When it could have acted as a voice for and worked with education professionals who were going above and beyond their normal work and learning new skills to provide education and care for children and families in the most challenging circumstances, they ducked this responsibility and couldn't wait to get back to routine inspections. So yes, in the NEU, we think it's time for Ofsted to go and for it to be replaced by a system of collaborative support, challenge and accountability. One in which teachers and other education professionals are partners in the process and see it as part of their professional development. Such systems are well-developed in other successful countries and were the subject of major research by John McBeath in Schools Speak for Themselves. Alternatives are also outlined by the Joint General Secretary of my union, Mary Bowstead, in her forthcoming book, Support Not Surveillance, where she puts forward alternatives to the inspection system which are robust, proportionate, collaborative and fair. That's my contribution to the debate. I look forward to hearing responses and answering any questions.
0: Thanks very much. Excellent. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, Okay, so um, there's a huge amount on the... uh, on the on the table there, so I'm I'm going to go out for points and um, observations, questions and from the floor. <laughs> I suppose just two things that are I'm sort of trying to get my head around really. P- partly one is the kind of broad historical sweep. Um, so you know, I went to school in the 70s and the 80s, um, and I, I was a student during this whole period where state education was restructured around league tables, exams. And then uh, Ofsted was the kind of last part of that jigsaw. Um, and, I, I, you know, just one, one thing for us to consider, has, has the system become better overall for kids during that period? Are fewer kids left behind? Is there less tolerance for failure? And is Ofsted, I'm uh, going to sound a bit sadomasochistic now as a teacher, um, but is there an element where it is kind of making the system work for, for kids um, overall, and is there a danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater? There, you know, some some of the reforms have ensured that fewer kids are left behind. I mean, I remember a lot of kids leaving at fourteen, and you know, not not being in school anymore when I went to when I went to school. Um, so that's just sort of one question, uh, and I suppose that talks to maybe could we have a better offstead. um And then another one, which I, I'm trying to get my head around. I thought the Conservatives were going to bring knowledge back in. I thought that was the idea um, with Gove and company. where, uh, where, where uh, But there seems to be a new shift in Borisian education policy, which is all about morality and character. Um, and so I'm just interested in, in that and whether that's actually coming from government. Is there a shift in policy away from knowledge towards uh, a more explicit, moralising and, and politicising uh, maybe a cultural wars agenda within education? Or, or is it that Ofsted is acting independently there as a kind of autonomous institution? Um, uh, I put it in the blurb, a kind of cuckoo institution operating against the intention of the Conservative government that's running the show, or appear, apparently running the show, um, at this moment in time. So um, hands up, who would like to speak? Alka, would you like to kick us off then?
5: Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great. Thank you. Thank you, all. Uh, all speakers. Um, some great. Lots of food for thought there. Um, I suppose like, just two points, really. One on the broader one, and then one. Um, I'd like to just take issue with um, Alex's uh, characterization on the hijab affair with Ofsted, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Um, the example I'm thinking of. On the broader point, I mean, I, I in my view, I just think education is probably. Um, never been more in such a parlous state as it is today. And that's whatever the whatever the exam results or league tables may show. And the reason for that is not just a single body, right? It's not just one factor. It's not just Ofsted. Um, if we think sociologically, we can think, you know, think of Basil Bernstein saying that, you know, exams are really important. The assessment system itself embodies models of what education is and what pupils should be. And I think what we have today is a very reductive and reduced mm-hmm. idea of the way people um, develop, of the kind of that the education is fundamentally a relational endeavour and not a question of inputs and outputs. There are things that can be empirically measured, but they're very limited and you need to be aware of their limitations and use them, I think, very judiciously rather than, you know, the, the kind of blanket subject so, so uh, rather than the blanket subjecting of education and teachers to the data monitoring thing. But I think the flip side of that, and that speaks to your your question, Toby, the flip side of all this techn- technology and management by managerialism is that there's been, there's been a kind of uh, a real crying out for something ethical, for something moral. And the, the government coming in with British values just isn't going to cut it because They've got things on there that aren't even really values, but there is there i think there is a real a concern with the kind of, with um, a growing a growing thing within which I see in teachers where they either intentionally or unintentionally the distinction between fact opinion view you know values and beliefs is really blurred and also the distinction between the their political views. Um, and they're, uh, bringing them into, their, into the curriculum is also very blurred. And you have increasing number of teachers and unions, I have to say as well, the NEU and others are in on this, of wanting to um, promote their own political ideas through the curriculum in a way that I think is fundamentally dishonest and is exacerbating this problem, you know, and, and, and I think I, I don't have an instant answer to that. But I think it is something that really does need discussing because now we've got the corrosion, two corrosive influences in education, technicism, and then a kind of sort of um, hyper-ethicalisation. And what gets lost is that idea of not of the impartial ground for dis, for holding holding beliefs in bay to allow children, the younger people who are not yet familiar with thinking abstractly and critically, to induct them into into exactly that kind of thinking.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, Connor? Can't hear you. Uh, you're muted at the moment, Connor.
6: Can you hear me now? There we go,
0: yeah, we can hear you.
6: Sorry, apologies. I may not sound great, I'm just on the tail end of a COVID infection, so, I might not sound fantastic apologies. Um yeah some some interesting points. So far I'm a, a teacher in union rep in Hackney. I've been in Hackney for 13 years. Um just to 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 raise two two points or comments um first one is sort of in relation to the idea you know is off step political and I think you know general sense is it's always had some political function. So it shouldn't be a shock as Alex says that 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 you know it's being accused of that now it's always had that sort of function the idea that that education itself isn't you know it, embedded in in in, in, um, edu- in you know ideology is for the birds um you know uh, my, my sense of it is that it, it always has been an education always has been um speaking of someone who, you know 14 years Catholic education in Belfast in the 80s and 90s the idea that you know the, uh, you know this is, there's all of a sudden this moral push I mean I, I was told all sorts of stuff in school which I, I think I should have been given a, a, in the in, individual independent chance to evaluate myself. Well, it was you know it was wrapped down my throat. I had to learn a Hail Mary in four different languages. So there you go. Um, my experience as a teacher speaking to some of the stuff that Joseph mentioned about stress, teacher stress is is, is much less what what Joseph talks about about fear of saying this or that, and it's much more what Rowena and Alex outlined. Uh, workload, you know, uh, the, the high attrition rate, stuff, uh, things like that. And the writer Mark Fisher, the, the, who wrote uh, Capitalist Realism, he described his time in FE. Um. I, and he described his experience of Ofsted as an anxiety that never ends, and that sort of captures what what Rowena was talking about in, in her experience of teaching. And that's that's far more the experience you'd get from the average classroom teacher than anything that Joseph outlined. Uh, I myself have done four Ofsteds, and you know when I came over from from Belfast, we, we don't have Ofsted there. We have an inspector, but it's, it takes a very different form of in Belfast. Um, I didn't really know a lot about Ofsted, but my experience, certainly my earliest teaching, was was very much to that. So. Uh, just to say, it's a little bit more what Alex and Ryan talked about, and a little bit less of what Joseph talked about. Thank you.
0: Okay, excellent. Um, would anyone else like to come in at that point? If you put your hands up,
7: Toby. While uh, while you're waiting for other people to join, I can't put my hands yeah. up because I'm the host. But I've got a comment. If
0: you, uh, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah.
7: Okay. So when I, I was thinking about you know the title of this um, session, uh, uh, you know. You know, has Ofsted become too political? And I was thinking, well, I'm not actually sure what its political view is or even if it's a consistent political view. I mean, there is, the, you know, the chief inspector whose views are well-known, as we've heard, and, and then there's the inspectors. There's a lot of them. And I get the sense that they often hold very different views to the chief inspector. Now, I should say I'm not a teacher, but I've been working with teachers for a couple of decades uh, and the perception I get from hearing them talk about their inspections, that the way an Ofsted inspection goes is often down to the personality and the preoccupations of the, the particular inspector. Um, just recently, I had a friend who teaches at a Catholic primary school tell a horror story about an inspection um, where the inspector came into class, sat down with a group of quite young children and asked them a series of provocative or increasingly provocative questions about their religious beliefs, very, very young children. And this culminated in, um, what would you say if I told you that Jesus didn't exist? Uh, When one of the children gasped out loud, um, this was later cited as evidence that the school was teaching too, you know, too narrowly Christian values. The school did complain about this and a couple of other matters, and one of the complaints was upheld. I'm not sure if it was that one. But anyway, the sense they had at the school was that, you know, um if we'd have had, you know, the ins- there was a different inspector went to the Catholic school around the corner and they got a lovely report. They're doing the same as us. So I sort of recognise the different political tensions and motivations that the speakers have sort of referred to. I think that's all real. But, you know, at the end of the day, on the coalface, on the coalface in the classroom, is it the luck of the draw about which inspector you get on the day?
0: Okay, excellent. I think we've got um, Holly there. But, I mean, I suppose just to try and refine... Uh, some of the questions, I, I suppose one of the things we're trying to get our head around is to what extent um, has Ofsted become an independent political force within the state? Um, because, as Joseph says, that raises all kinds of democratic issues, doesn't it? They're operating independently um, uh, in terms of their, their their politics. They ought to be accountable. We are a democracy. So, that, so that's maybe, you know, an anxiety around quangos. Um, I suppose the flip side of that is the danger it's become too political, uh, because if it's representing the state in some sense, it's supposed to be uh, to a degree impartial from the, you know, Yabu of ordinary politics and advocating for conservatives or advocating for Labour and stuff like that. Um, so in that sense it's representing everybody it ought to represent everybody's interest and be above um, kind of immediate partisan um, politics so maybe that that's kind of one of the issues i mean what, one of the things i feel and I, I don't know that it's exclusively an issue of Ofsted, is that the new focus within education policy on questions I, I certainly would agree with Neil this on this that there seems to be a focus on the moral and the political uh, more of an emphasis on that than knowledge. That is highly divisive um, because we don't agree on any of those things societally. So when the state starts pushing stuff like that um, via institutions like Ofsted, that's going to create a hell of a lot of division. Now, I-, I come from politics and morals more from a liberal perspective, and I probably wouldn't agree with an orthodox you know, Catholic approach to those issues. And we just don't agree, do we? That's, uh, there is societal division on that. So I think um, educationalists and regulators and representatives of the state want to be really careful from drawing, uh, getting involved in that kind of territory, which are adult disputes in society ought to be resolved through politics with a you know a high degree of tolerance really for for the diversity of views on all of that. Anyway, sorry, I'm talking too much. Holly,
8: hello, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah.
8: Hi. Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't, I understand and I agree with the politicization of schools in general, but I do wonder if we need a counterbalancing political force. And this might fill the teachers with fear, but I mean the kind of American model that we're seeing at the moment with the teachers' boards and um, parents having a say in what's going on, just to counterbalance this kind of top down pressure of the politicization. Um, In that respect, I think the whole problem of the schools and politicisation of institutions fits into our general problem in Britain with the lack of local democracy or outlets for kind of um, local solutions and not just local solutions, but just for local input, I suppose, in issues that are really real and close to you.
0: Excellent. Can um, so I come back on that? Or?
4: Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead.
0: Yeah.
4: Well, I, I agree with what you say, Holly. And of course... Some schools have that in local education authorities. You know, parents can go if they're not satisfied with uh, what's happening in a school. They can go to their local councillors, their elected councillors. The, the one group of schools where they have no recourse to anybody if they're not happy is uh, academy schools and academy trusts which have no s- systems of of, uh, uh, of accountability built in. What, what I think, what I would say in, in answer to some of the questions is yes there should be parent input into uh in, into schooling uh, yes there should be inspection yes there should be moderated inspection but it it should be locally led and 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 led by by the needs of of local schools rather than this one top down one size fits all model which, which I, I i think i hope people will agree hasn't addressed the inequalities in our system it's interesting when you look at we know that life expectancy and health outcomes in Scotland are worse than they are in, in England, but we don't blame hospitals where that happens. We know that in, in areas where poverty is higher, um, that health outcomes are worse. We don't blame the hospitals. We don't threaten hospitals with closure or being taken over. We, we look at the, the, the needs of, of communities and we look at what, what health... Um, services can input to try and uh, address that whereas in education we know that that poverty has a big impact we know that social class has has a big impact and but we haven't come up with any answers to address that because we've become obsessed with measurement uh, and obsessed with with monitoring not addressing uh, addressing that issue and in answer to Harley's question I'll say yes it is sometimes uh, the luck of the draw in which inspectors you get but more often it's the luck of the draw in where your school is uh, and what sorts of communities it's serving um, that will de- determine the way Ofsted inspectors see it whether that's in a, an area serving um, a high Muslim population or uh, an area that uh, schools that are serving um, families with uh, free school meals uh, and and um, uh,
0: in poorer areas. Um. Rowena, did you want to come in at that point because that was partly talking to some of the things that you were raising earlier
3: yeah just very briefly um yeah i i just think that the 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 huge issue of social inequality is coming into the classroom and affecting learning outcomes um and teaching outcomes is is just not very much to do with ofsted (laughs) okay Um, yeah i I i just think it's to do with wider social and economic issues um and but just to the holly's point about the democratisation of schools i do think that that would also be an effective and powerful means of accountability in itself like we do have some schools that are local authority controlled we do have parent governors as someone said in the chat but actually if you wanted a really radical transformation couldn't you have a board of schools in which a third is made up of parents, a third is made up of teachers, and a third is made up of the actual owners um, or the the funders of the school. So you had like a genuine balance of interests and you didn't have just kind of this top-down stake technocrat stuff here and then (laughs) complete powerlessness at the bottom. I think empowering people who have a stake in their local schools to actually have power and control over them would be helpful um, regardless of what you think about Ofsted.
0: In your view, do we need an inspectorate? I mean, or or do we just need democratic political control over education?
3: My feeling is that we need an inspectorate, but you need to take the heat out of it by not making it the only means or one of the very few means of judging a school. So if you had a variety of ways of evaluating a school, parent voice, teacher voice, Um, you know you take into account exam results you take into account a whole wealth of things then people are less likely to just rely and just be scared about this one inspectorate
0: brilliant okay yeah thank you Neil did you want to come in at that point yeah
3: um yeah sort of a couple of things I
1: think I think there are two discussions taking place at the same time really with uh, uh tonight so far on the one hand there's the discussion of whether Ofsted is political, whether it's driven, you know, through sort of a today piloted agenda. And then the other discussion is the impact of teaching and learning and, and issues to do with workload and whether inspections are that valuable or not. I mean, I think those are all sort of valuable issues to talk about. Uh, uh, coming back to the actual question about political, whether Offset is political or not, if I take something that Alex has talked about on a number of occasions in terms of, Inequality within it, within education and how you know this is all unequal outcomes and how it impacts on sort of poorer kids all that is absolutely true, but the question is if that's the case why was it after lockdown looking now for transphobia was the number one priority of debt. there wasn't an issue regarding educational outcomes that also just sort of come out of lockdown but for them, the number one issue was homophobia. Uh, and transphobia, not necessarily on educational outcomes. And I think that that's the point I'm making in terms of uh, what are driving Ofsted at the moment. I'll give you another example. I mean, something that Toby mentioned that under the Tories, or at least the coalition governments, the, the idea of education wasn't to go back to academic rigor, was to go back to more emphasis on curriculum knowledge. And that was part of the the GCSE reforms and part of the A level reforms, and Michael Gove. Um, but from 2014 onwards, directly after Trojan horse, so when Never of inspected any any schools, the first questions that were asked again uh, was what are your attitudes to homosexuality, which is what happened in a number of, of sort of face goals, uh, And so the issue of sort of teaching and learning and teaching strategies was, was pretty quickly dropped in favour of the ethical agenda. Um, I mean, Al has made some interesting points regarding teaching strategies, and it is the case, Oster can be sort of very prescriptive, uh, which has damaged the education system and led to uh, teaching morale being at an all-time low. But equally, at a time when the teaching was supposed to be improving the curriculum, and I think Oster did make some good points on that, um, when it came to inspections, the moral issues sort of took over and that was considered to be more important than the quality of sort of teaching and learning. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to sort of in, try to discuss here um, in terms of what on earth is going on. We've lost, uh, there actually seem to be less and less interested in teaching and learning and curriculum uh, curriculum delivery or poverty or any of those issues. It's, it's, it's a lot of other issues regarding sort of morals Um, and for want of a better word woke issue that seems to be the kind of main issue and secondly or finally the the issue of sort of parental autonomy um, and the issue of undermining parental autonomy is, is something that schools are under pressure from from Ofsted that they have to demonstrate that kids can actually report behavior of their parents to a teacher and to a safeguarding officer right and that's got nothing to do with teaching and learning that's in the realm of social work and it also takes us into the realm of the smps named persons act where every child becomes a ward of the state
0: okay excellent um joseph would you like to come back there like to just so we've got all the panel back if you just unmute yourself yeah there we go sorry some trouble with that lovely thank you thank you
2: yeah sorry i just wanted to respond briefly to um a point that Ian made in, in the chat regarding should we be asking has Ofsted become too religious and I think this is quite an interesting conversation because obviously when we're talking about as Neil was just mentioning different ideological differences whether it's sort of more woke uh, beliefs um, or whether it's religious beliefs uh, there is a sort of commonality there which is that most other people aren't going to share your opinion in any given room I think this is the problem really with Ofsted is they're trying to mandate a one-size-fits-all ideological, cultural, philosophical model rather than an educational model. Education is in itself subjective because you can teach three different people the same thing and they'll come out with different conclusions if they're formed to teach, if they're formed to think properly. Um, And I don't think Ofsted anymore is looking at the way children think or the way children are educated, but rather mandating as was mentioned earlier in that sort of top-down approach, uh, what should be taught. Uh, And regardless of whether you think that's the correct thing to be taught, that's always going to be an issue because teachers, parents, and children will not always share the same beliefs. So the real question, I think, and the real reason why Ofsted is too politicised is because it's not showing total impartiality to different worldviews. As I mentioned, some schools are being graded down, simply because they teach something based on their religion. Uh, and that doesn't show any sort of grace level of Islamophobia, Judeophobia, Christophobia. It's just a pure fact that Ofsted does not like religious teaching. And that may not be the same with every single one of their inspectors. Um, you know, we have the, have the story there earlier where two different inspectors gave two different opinions on Catholic schools. Um, but the reality is that that's a possibility, and I don't think that should be a possibility if we consider ourselves uh, a nation that prides itself on freedom of speech. Um, so I think that's that's kind of to respond to Ian totally. I think we should be looking at whether or not offset is, in fact, too religious. Yeah.
0: Excellent. OK, um, Daniel, you've been waiting patiently. Please, uh, your comment. Thanks
9: very much. Um, I'm a, a teacher in the northeast. I teach in a Peru. Uh, currently actually uh i've only ever really taught in uh deprived areas um i just want to pick up on really some of the the comments about uh ofsted's got this sort of over emphasis on 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 woke uh that it only it's too political it only you know it's measuring schools by by wokeness whether it's you know how well they're dealing with homophobia and transphobia or you know whatever you, your position is on whether it should be in schools you know anti-racism or whatever um the only thing Ofsted really accurately measures is is poverty uh in in an area um you know if you are in the richest five percent uh the richest five percent uh of children the most affluent uh only one percent of them go to inadequate schools um the poorest nine percent uh there's a far higher percentage that goes to uh ad- inadequate schools in fact i'm let me correct that the poorest fifth nine percent of them go to inadequate schools and that's not because uh rich schools or affluent schools are better at teaching woke It's because the only real accurate measurements the only real thing that offset measures is the levels of deprivation in a community. Now, my position is actually as an inspector it's not fit for purpose. We need a supportive collaborative approach. Um but the idea that Ofsted's got this overemphasis on woke, I I disagree. Uh it has a it, all it really does actually measure is is the poverty levels in
0: the community. Excellent, thank you, Daniel. Um Alex, did you want to come in there? You're gonna to have to unmute yourself. There we there go. go. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um,
10: thank you. A uh, really interesting discussion. Um, some some great points by um all, all the speakers. Um, I found it really stimulating. Um, I mean, I think um, I mean, firstly, to say maybe it's it's easier to say that education has become more political, uh, you know, rather than Ofsted. I think has become more political. I mean, I think as the point's been made, Ofsted probably been always political. Um and, and that's not surprising really as, a, as an as an arm of the state. Um, but um I think the other point is that it obviously it's done different things or does different things, and yeah, perhaps it's just been pulled into areas that uh that it that it should otherwise be, be staying out of. Um so I think it's helpful to see it as 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 more than one thing. Um obviously wanted to say that uh you know. Uh, Amanda Spielman. I mean, she uh, maybe she's she, she obviously has played a role in standing up for education, and in, in some ways, she's maybe may, maybe it's a bit of a pushback against what Ofsted had become. It obviously had become part of um, this accountability and push for exams culture, and she obviously has swung the the um, things back towards knowledge and curriculum to an extent. Although, obviously, there there are plenty of other things going on. But I think we should recognise that she's uh, she's done better than other uh, leaders of, of Ofsted. That sh- that needs to be said. But I but I guess my sort of overall, when I look at Ofsted overall and its its you know its its historical trajectory, as we've been discussing tonight, I think you know what stands out stands out for me is how much um, I think it, it it parallels or the decline of teacher voice of teacher professionalism and has been um, a part of that and. You know, so so overall, it's, you know, it's had a corrosive effect, I think, on teacher professionalism. And for that reason, I like some of the comments about democratisation, you know, it being more run uh, inspection being done run more more at a local level. So I think I think we should be um, um, exploring things along that line. Um, Was there something else? No, I think yeah, I think I think I'll leave it there. But as I say, I think I think um, it, it's really, you know, how can we? Uh, yeah, well, that was it. That um, I, th- I think it's become more. It's more authoritarian than it is an authority, isn't it? And and I guess it it kind of scares me. I mean, I work in teacher education, and we get inspected too. And it's I mean, it scares me just how much deference there is to to Ofsted, and and that that is something. But that's what we need to change. So question, the question is really, how do we get there? How do we change that?
0: Yeah, Alex, that, thank you so much for that. I mean, that, that's, that's a really interesting issue that you raised there about um, teacher voice. And, um, you know, because we don't have to sit back and wait to be judged, do we? Uh, you know, in the old days, I, I've heard of these things, teacher centres, mm. they used to be, where people used to do spontaneously, in their own time, their own professional development. Yeah. In fact, there used there used to be an exam where you could write the exam yourself and have it validated. I can't remember what it was called. This is pre GCSE. So, so it is. It's interesting that thing of teacher advisory grace, maybe, teachers. Yeah. You know, and how how do we get back a sense of agency um, and? you know, working together to raise each other's standards rather than have them raised for us, if that makes sense. Um, so so that, that, that's, that, you know, that, that's... Uh, we, we don't have to sit back and wait for things to happen to make things excellent. We can do that. We're professionals, right? Um, exactly. We, should, yeah. we, we, we don't need to be told by other people to do that. And ma- maybe this is maybe this is the downside of that whole system that was introduced with Thatcher and Major is that it's kind of disempowered people um you know and kind of um separated them from their own professionalism uh and we we kind of we play the game of guessing what the inspector wants and those kind of Mm -hmm. things i mean but there are bits that work right i mean i i've had probably my most powerful conversations have been with hmis uh english teachers usually who've come to look at film studies lessons who really do know what they're talking about in terms of sequencing and uh they're just very experienced practitioners they really know their stuff and that that's been quite useful i actually think coursework moderation works quite well when you get a decent coursework moderator's report that's a really important part of your own professional development and kind of raising your standards internally so so there's kind of parts of the system maybe that work but
11: alistair what what are your thoughts um well there's a couple of questions actually rather than than thoughts okay yeah and and questions from uh, the point of view of someone who's not a teacher and who doesn't go into schools very often, but kind of takes an interest in what's going on and trying to understand it. So I wanted to to go back to the the split on the panel. I think really um, in terms of this question of is it you know is teaching too political or not? Because um, Neil and and Joseph very much seem to be uh, pushing the idea that it is, and Ren in particular. Uh, seems to be arguing back against that. So I just kind of wanted to kind of understand that difference, because it seems that, you know, both both sides can't be right, in a sense. So um, I, I guess it, perhaps this is this is more directed at Ruena, But, you know, when I speak to people about uh, what they're learning in schools these days, then things that come up regularly are things like a uh, particular view of climate change and environmentalism. Ruena, you mentioned the Me Too thing, which doesn't often come as a kind of independent stance, but is is a kind of loaded one. Uh, I see campaigns around things like uh, uh, the problems of critical race theory in schools or the teaching of white privilege or a certain view on empire. There's, uh, I know in Scottish schools, drag queens go in and teach the kids poetry or whatever, which is obviously aimed at a certain sort of moral point of view. So that does seem to me to be quite politicised. So Renna, I, I guess my question is, in your experience, are these things just not there? So that's why teaching is non-political. Or are they there? And you don't see that as a kind of politicization of teaching. So that's one thing, kind of where where does the political the question, uh, where do does everyone, is there a consensus on the political question, I suppose is what I'm asking. The second thing is that Joseph in his answer just there uh, mentioned uh, the need to be more impartial. And obviously that's a big word just now because of the report last week and 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 people wanting more impartiality. But I'm not sure if I understand what impartiality is. And I just wonder if someone can reflect a little bit on that, because it seems to me difficult to teach a lot of things from an entirely impartial point of view. So kind of when you say impartiality partial are you you know we, we can all talk about imparting knowledge but kind of what does that mean in an impartial sense do you do you risk draining the life out of everything that you're teaching in this desperate bid uh, to become impartial so how does that work
0: yeah okay excellent hilary did you want to come in there
12: yeah I, I just wanted to raise a question around um you know is is the real problem that teachers are a bit too cowardly um is is that not the issue so you know, if I, if I look at the, the area I work in, which is, is pensions, you know, we're, we're regular, regularly challenged by our regulator. Uh, and it's really important for professionals to stand up to regulators and and, and, yeah. and, and question, because regulators clearly have um, a statutory duty, but, you know, you need to, to that sometimes and say, that's not the only thing that matters. Um, and it kind of feels to me that, you know, if teachers want to be treated as professionals, they need to kind of push back a bit more. And 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 argue a bit more uh, against the regulatory intervention in their area, in just the same way we would in other areas. Sorry, about the dog.
0: Uh, th- was that the watchdog? Um, SWA.
13: <laughs> uh, can you hear me? All right.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah.
13: Perfect. Yeah, just on that last point, I'd say the reason why teachers aren't pushing back is because. Either half of them have just joined the profession or the other half are thinking of leaving the profession. Um, it, it's not as simple as let's just push back. I've am i I'm had a head of department. I've been teaching 10 years and I have had turnover pretty much every single year as head of department. Teachers are just coming in and out. It's a revolving door. Yeah. One of them is Ofsted. Um, in terms of Ofsted being too woke, um, none of... My edicts from SLT have ever been about teaching about transphobia or anything like that. All of those have been something issued by the government, as in attached to lifelong learning, or by my local county council, not by Ofsted. And I suppose my other issue is is that when it comes to teachers and Ofsted, the main thing is yes, it is a constant fear, but it's never actually addressing the issue. It's always a box tick. So, for example, I teach in Hertfordshire. And the latest thing going around Hertfordshire is that we have polished time in our books. So at the end of the lesson, five minutes left to go, if a kid has doodled in their books, we're literally encouraging them to paper over those doodles in case Ofsted saw it and saw the child was off task. So we're literally papering over our cracks rather than addressing the issue of why was the child doodling in the first place? So there just doesn't seem to be enough time to sort any of these issues out without a strong voice. But you don't have a strong voice if half the profession is leaving. It's sort of this weird, horrible catch-22, you know? And it's sort of, when I hear about it getting more political, I keep being being told that there's so many things I can or can't say. But more often than not, again, because I teach politics, I'm being told I can't criticize government policy because that's too political
0: that's Excellent. sort of what i have to say on that thank you um alka did you want to come in and I, I think i'll bring our panelists back
5: thank you for giving me a second bite of the cherry um just um i have just noticed in the chat about on what teachers pushing back um somebody said they weren't allowed to speak back when they were given an ofsted judgment um at the meeting which is pretty outrageous but that nonetheless you would hope that if I uh, of agree with Hillary's point that a bit more oomph amongst the teachers and that they can challenge an Ofsted um, thing right that is possible and I've known people do that in very difficult circumstances. I think Alistair raised a really important question about impartiality and I think it's really a, a, a not a very well understood concept and I'm not claiming to say I've got the any kind of definitive definition of it but I think it, it, it's it's not that you can't, that you teach everything in a dry, desiccated way. And of course, teachers aren't going to drop their personality when they come into the classroom. Your personality, in a way, becomes an important resource, a pedagogical resource, partly, as well as your subject and disciplinary knowledge in um, establishing those kinds of relationships. So it's not about that, but it's about actually the education of the profession itself in being able to tell what the differences are and the different levels of proof needed when you state a fact or an opinion or a belief and how a fact in the different subjects also has different kinds of, of, of um, you know, proofs, if you like. So what, what will be proof in a scientific experiment will be different to a, a better interpretation, say, in a literature class and. Um, and then also so that's within the subject of the cur- the official curriculum but then to know that there's a difference between you know if you were if you were starting your list lesson or introducing a a training session in a school with the on the assumed belief that britain for example is an institutionally racist country and and not not saying anything more that is just a, that is the baseline then that is a, but that is introducing a belief smuggled smuggled in as an assertion, as an as a as a truth assertion, and that is what is happening. And I and I think in some in many cases it's that people just don't see it as that they don't know the difference. And other people people are probably doing it fairly intentionally because they think that that you know it's sort of for the greater cause, for the cause of justice. It's it's that that they will put they will sort of throw throw that idea of impartiality out of the window because justice is considered the more pressing concern. But I, I, I really disagree. I think if you do that, you're really doing a disservice to to the, your pupils and to and to the kind of um the democrat, you know, the, the idea of living in a democratic society because beliefs and values shouldn't be smuggled in like that. You know, there there is a value of education, but it's not those kind of political values. The values of education are truth truthfulness, tolerance, and then the dispositions that you need to teach the subjects, you know, according to those values.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the way I see it is I have political arguments with other adults, and I set out to win those arguments. I don't do that with students that I'm teaching. That that would be an abuse of power and an act of manipulation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's extremely dangerous when institutions... Um, of the state go down that road um, because the state's a powerful institution and um, we have a duty of care towards young people in terms of their education. The values are different in that education as they are in the adult political sphere. But Gareth? Yeah,
14: thanks. I, I just wanted to address this, this point that several people have made now that um, uh, that Ofsted isn't coming into my lessons and asking me to, you know, teach woke things. Um, and that, you know, that that's, may well be the case, but the point is that uh, they will be soon. You know, uh, Ofsted has has got a certain trajectory that it's on, and, and it actually fits a trajectory that uh, many, many state institutions are, are following all sorts of institutions, not necessarily state ones. Um, So, you know, just uh, in a a couple of observations, you in your lessons may not be directing uh, your students along any particular, you know, ideological lines, because you think Ofsted's encouraging you to do so, but your school definitely is, and your school will not pass an Ofsted inspection. If, for example, it's not implementing the sex health and, um, uh, relationships uh, guidance guidance. If it's not implementing that, then it's liable to fail its ins- inspection, or, or at least um, it will have another one very shortly afterwards. Uh, the, the same with the prevent um, process. If it's not seen to be taking part in that, with sort of uh, you know heartily embracing it, then again it's running the risk of um, of failing its inspection. And uh, if you just look at the, the rapid progress of, of critical race theory in the UK, which is f- following to some degree the pattern that it's taken in the States, there are key differences, key differences. But in, um, in this country, if you look at the kind of schools that Ofsted is saying are outstanding schools. Their use and adoption of critical race theory across the curriculum um, is is quite advanced. And you know one example of that is decolonizing the, the curriculum. Um, your school is going to be asked questions, maybe not couched even in the terms of decolonizing the curriculum, but the the drift of the ideological push that that term represents, that drift, is coming to your school if it's not there already. And if you look at schools in the UK as a whole, many, many schools have already gone a long way down that route. So, you know, in summary, I think if you feel that your classroom is inoculated or isolated or, you know, is, is in some way, not coming into touch with these trends. It's either going on at a level in your school that you're personally not particularly aware of, um, or this is a trend that you're going to see arriving very soon on your desk, coming with all the force of all the other regulations that uh, Ofsted have been forcing on schools over the past few years.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Gareth. Um, So, uh, Alex, did you want to come in there? Are you going to need to unmute yourself? Alex? There we go.
15: Sorry, do you mean me? (laughs) Because there (laughs) is an Alex on the panel. Um, I'm not a teacher. Sorry for coming in late on this discussion, but I've found it really amazing. Um, I'm in Madrid and. of, uh, it, it, people's reactions, saying, "Oh, well, this is not this is not happening in my classroom. I don't recognise this interference in my classroom." I, I'm sure that's true, as the last um, person has just said. The point is not at the moment that it's happening in the classroom, but it is absolutely a discussion, and it's a discussion that's being had between government, unions, and uh, teachers. So it's, it, it, I think Gareth was the last person that spoke. It's only a matter of time, really. So, as I say, I'm not a teacher. Um, I taught once in a um, school in Northampton. Uh, North and It was the worst experience of my life. and never done it again since. So I'm a real fan of teachers. That's a fact. In my school, in my children's school in Madrid, a poster appeared on the outside of the school where we gather before we pick them up, and it says, I won't try it in Spanish, it says, what we have in common is our difference. No, it's not. (laughs) That's just bad English or Spanish. What we have in common is what we have in common. So that idea of difference permeating um, the curriculum is certainly happening. There's no doubt about that uh, whatsoever as far as uh, I can see it might not be happening specifically to some teachers, and it might not be happening in your particular classroom. But it's a, definitely a debate and a discussion uh, that is taking place, and it, it's a it's a it's a worrying one as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay, I'm going to bring back our speakers for their concluding comments in a minute. Um, but did anyone else want to speak? If you just put your hands up, if you have any final comments or thoughts um before i do that and i'll bring people back in um reverse order okay um and uh then harley's going to have some things to say at the end as well actually um, it was sorry?
7: before it was before i was hoping to get oh, did- in
0: oh okay no, before okay. the speakers so, yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah go,
7: go uh, on, Harley. a couple of things um one responding to alistair's question what is impartiality and also toby you talking about you know arguing with your students being a sort of uh, um, unethical, I think. Um, Well, for me, sort of from my own experience, sort of my model impartial teacher was my sixth form politics teacher who, you know, we had loads of um, political arguments and they were arguments. He challenged everything we thought. He was consistent Mm -hmm. in that and we never knew what he thought. Um, We had some sort of hunch based on his personality that he was um fairly right-wing a uh, bit of a prejudice of ours turned out years later he was a uh, you know a union trade union um, shop steward um but we never knew you know he just but he was consistent in just you know having a go at us uh, whatever we thought of uh, and that was the best teaching experience i ever had um and, and then rowena uh, mentioned and a couple of other people did as well i think um you know democratisation the idea of democratising uh, this whole thing you know, bringing in parents, making it more of a community idea about what's important about education. I quite like the idea of that but um, I've also got concern which I'm not, I, you know, I said I'm not a teacher but uh, I am a parent and as a parent, my experience is that, you know, we've been, um, parents have been discouraged uh, from taking an interest in the educational values of the schools that uh, my son's been at. Um, and an example would be PTAs, which uh, seem to have been t- turned into fundraising organisations. But if you want to discuss the approach, the sort of values and philosophy of teaching at the school, really it's not, well, not welcomed in the slightest. And I think there's quite a few teachers think that parents are the problem. In education, so I'm sort of flagging that as part of something we're thinking about de- uh, debating at a future education forum. So, um, anyway, just throw those in.
0: Okay, um, anyone else before I bring our speakers back in to uh, solve all of the problems of state education within one minute each? Um, okay, no? Okay, uh, Rowena.
3: <laughs> no pressure. Um, Look, I think there are lots of problems that we've talked about with Ofsted. I don't think the problem with Ofsted is that it's too woke. I mean, Ofsted's job, what it spends its time actually doing is checking that schools are following the national curriculum. And that's a national curriculum that's been set by a conservative government, which is increasingly focused, whether rightly or wrongly, on um, more British history, British values um, and actually more knowledge rather than skills. So I just I don't feel that that's the issue with, with Ofsted. I think the problem is that um, it has way too much weight on teachers' minds and it ends up making them feel frightened and scared and actually probably makes them poorer teachers, as we've heard from other uh, teachers here. Um, and I do agree, I think it was Hillary who said that we need a little bit more courage in standing up to that. And I think something that's really come out of this discussion tonight that I really appreciate and value is that need to... Democratise our education system so accountability doesn't just come from this one technocratic inspectorate, but actually comes from the communities um, that where our teach, where our kids are learning. And finally, the only thing I'd I'd really add here, and this is really to Daniel's point, who I think said it more eloquently than me, is that for me, Ofsted still is not political enough because it does not take into account the context, the economic and social context, and pressures that some schools are under. Um, and it continues to say that some schools are failing because of issues that are way, way beyond their control. And I think that's something that Ofsted, if it was a truly fair and balanced and honest inspectorate, would be able to say uh, fearlessly to the government.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that.
4: Alex? Yeah, this has been a fantastic meeting. Really enjoyed uh, listening to the contributions and taking part in it. Um, I I would start by saying before the Thatcher government reforms of education, of which Ofsted was one part, the government had two roles in education. One was to ensure that there were enough schools uh, for the pupils that needed to go to school in the areas where they were living. And the second was to make sure there were enough teachers and staff for those schools. Since then, the government has taken on so much more uh, imposing on schools what should happen in in the way some of the people described And then it needs a watchdog to to look over it. So it's just created this top-heavy system uh, that that we've all been talking about and trying to unpick uh, today. So uh, teaching isn't impartial. Education isn't impartial because our children are only in school part of the week, uh, part of their lives, and they're bringing in their experiences into the school. So that is going to create a dynamic and a discourse. Um, uh, I think the role of schools is to celebrate uh, the diversity within them uh, um, and and to celebrate inclusion, to celebrate uh, the different races, the different sexes, to challenge sexism, racism, uh, to promote uh, the inclusion of disabled students uh, and and so on. But to instil in them, I think what Harvey was talking about, a critical thinking when you think about how much time our kids spend on the internet and where they get information and news from i think schools and teachers have a really important role in helping them find a way through that developing critical thinking skills in the way that harvey described so i've been teaching 36 years i started before ofsted and in that at that time this is just to reflect on what other people have been saying we had advisory teachers who were seconded out of school. They didn't leave the school. They were out for a year to go and develop their skills, to work with other teachers in the schools, in teacher centres. Like I think it was um, you, Toby, didn't you? You talked about teacher centres. There was a dynamic creativity to it that I think is still there in part. You know, I can assure you that most of the teachers I know tonight will right now be working on Creating exciting things for their children to be doing tomorrow. It's not all doom and gloom; it is still a fantastic job that people are giving creativity to it. But Ofsted and all the other things that have been talking about are sucking the joy out of it. If you look on, if you're on Facebook, go to a site called Leave Teaching and Thrive. It's got fifty. It's only been going a few months. It's got fifty thousand members, and it's a community of people where people say, I've just had enough, I can't do this anymore. Um, And people are advising them on what other jobs to do outside. There isn't a shortage of teachers. There's a shortage of teachers who want to still be teaching and be in their job. And you you look at some of what people are saying there about the scrutiny, about how judgments are being made about them, and it's heartbreaking. And I I think it, it is an indictment of the current system we've got where teachers don't have that professional voice where they're not encouraged to, to fly, they're not encouraged to take risks, they're not encouraged to think creatively, they're encouraged to do what is needed by the inspectorate, by the system, in a very narrow way that you asked, how do we unpick it? I don't know, but discussions like this are an important part of it, and I've been really pleased to to take part
0: and would happily come back anytime. Thank you, Alex. Um, Joseph?
2: Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Toby. Uh, it's been really interesting to hear a um, variety of different opinions. I just want to say I, I totally agree with that point we had from uh, Gareth about creeping ideology, and I think it's a case with a lot of teachers that they're concerned on the inspector who's coming to their classroom, obviously, um, and not necessarily the office where they're coming from, uh, which is maybe more where uh, that ideology is permeating from. Um, and just to address another another person who sort of questioned directly, um, that's. Uh, uh, Alistair, I believe, um, I was sort of concerning more the impartiality of Ofsted itself rather than of teachers. Um, I think Ofsted obviously will come into into interaction with a, with a wide variety of different faith schools, of schools of no faith, of different kind of teachers. They need to be the ones being impartial if they want to uphold their credibility. And as I said earlier, I think in conclusion really at the moment, we're in a situation in culture where there's not really many cultural movements. There's only political ones. Everything is politicised. Um, And I think that's that's a massive issue. Um, I think that's a massive issue because it means that debate can't be had without us wanting to draw a conclusion. Uh, And I think the willingness to offend is a necessary part of conversation, um, whatever age we are. And I think as soon as government or anyone else can try and uh, interfere with that right to offend, um, there's a limitation on the conversation that can be had. And I think, as Amanda Spielman stated, um, Ofsted is a carriage to implement what the state wants. So when we get mentioned that, uh, you know, there are woke edicts coming from the government, it's a case that Ofsted have a duty to try and implement those edicts if they want to continue with their uh, consensus um, from the government. So I think as we have in the political structure, we've got good actors and bad actors but we're always going to criticise the cabinet. So I think it's the same thing with Ofsted. We're always going to have good actors and bad actors, good inspectors, bad inspectors, but we have to criticise the cabinet, or in their case, their leadership. And I think until we do that and we have an independent report into how their leadership actually operates and what kind of ideology they're really trying to permeate through their inspectorate, we're not going to be able to change the system.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much. Neil? Neil? Uh, Just unmute. If you just unmute yourself.
1: Yeah, I have, hang on. Okay. Right, okay, so you've got a lot of things to sort of take in there. I mean, I I tend to agree with Gareth um, that this is going to be the trajectory that Ofsted is going in, and we we keep talking about woke politics, but I think what we're really talking about is, uh, is instilling identity politics as as a kind of belief system. And just give an example, my school where I teach in 2014, um, we were under requires improvement, and it was nothing to do with teaching and learning. It was the accusation that kids were not pre- preparing kids for life in modern Britain and not enough record-keeping of safeguarding. And uh, They completely dismissed um, our outstanding exam results last year. My school was put into special measures due to safeguarding and not enough PHSE lessons preparing kids for life in Britain. They, they actually said that the quality of teaching and learning is excellent. And you think that's what Ofsted would focus on, but they're not. Uh, and they haven't done for, for a long time. Um, I think we do have to separate out things like, you know, sort of geography teachers getting up, doing a, an assembly on climate change, critical race theory. Um, and I completely agree with Alka regarding sort of beliefs as facts. And I think Ofsted actually will challenge that. Um, and last week, that has come from the DFE uh, in terms of the, the importance of, of, of sort of facts rather than contested theory. Um, so I, th- I think we can sort of separate that out from there. Um, but I think for teachers, we should be allowed to do our job, as other panelists have said. Um, we should be allowed to sort of teach with passion and it should be about the quality of teaching and and intellectual rigour. I'm not necessarily against all inspections. Uh, I think school leaders and teachers should be held accountable and responsible for what they do. There's no sort of problem with that. Um, The question is, though, um, is when it comes to the sort of moral and ethical part that we are expected to sort of pass on regarding identity politics because... That is sort of severely sort of eroding sort of quality of education, and it's eroding what the purpose of it is really, uh, uh of education. Um, I think one final point, which I didn't mention in the directly in my initial talk, is that you have to remember that Michael Gove, um, even though he was a big supporter of uh, academic rigour and uh, sort of more challenging exam because he was a family against parental rights over their children. And I think it's worth remembering that the Woke Direction um perfectly assists in that undermining um of sort of parental uh, authority. Um and in in terms of where this is actually coming from, I, I actually don't think Ofsted are that independent from the Department for Education. I, I, I think it's the case that they're completely they just let Ofsted get on. Uh, doing what they want. So they have a budget of $130 million a year from the government and that they will be scrutinised. Um, and you have to remember that when it comes to issues on, on sort of transgender ideology, the Conservative Party are entirely on side with it. The beauty of Dead is that Tory, older Tory party voters won't necessarily associate uh, with what's happening in schools with the Tory party itself. And, and so that separation of Tory government and white state um, sort of continues with um, Ofsted being uh, a sort of very clear expression of that. Excellent. Okay,
0: um, so before we thank our speakers, just a couple of um, information points. Um, if you've enjoyed this debate tonight, uh, please sign up to the newsletter um, and you'll be informed about future um, education forum debates. Um And also, if you'd like to donate some money, that would be fantastic as well. Um, So that's uh, one thing to consider. Also, uh, you might want to have a look at uh, a website called positiveofstedreform.com, which is coordinating some ideas about reform of Ofsted in in, in the future. And And one of our speakers has been associated with that. So that's something to have a look at. Harley, did you want to say anything finally?
7: if i unmute myself no i think you've covered it all um toby it was really that we keep we keep running events uh usually every half term we're alternating them uh in person and um online debates so we'll have news about the next one coming up soon and uh, normally if we're in person we'd like to go to the pub afterwards and hope you, you might want feel inclined to buy us a pint but um failing that tonight you might want to donate the price of a pint to the academy of ideas for helping put these events on throughout the year and there's the education forum and many other events that run um throughout the year
0: so thanks all for coming thank you okay right can we thank our speakers please thank you very much speakers.